Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you for joining us as we wrap up the week, get ready to wrap up the month of October tomorrow, and move into what will be quite a week next week, that's for sure. Historic week, no doubt. But glad you have joined us and letting us us be part of your day. We always appreciate that. What we're going to be talking about today, the ongoing battle for the dairy industry to get FDA to enforce labeling laws, especially when it comes to dairy products. We'll be talking with Alan Burga with the National Milk Producers Federation. Also today, the CEO of the National Cattlemen's Beef Association, Colin Woodall. Lots to talk about with Colin, including moving of the NCBA convention to a virtual event later in the year next year. Also, why NCBA did not participate in a big cattle meeting in Florida recently, and reaction to the proposal from NCBA for a voluntary approach to cattle marketing issues, and we'll get his thoughts on that all coming up on our program a little bit later. And of course, speaking of national events being moved because of COVID-19, the latest news coming out today, Commodity Classic will be a virtual event next year. Commodity Classic announcing that today, that they will be holding a virtual meeting next year and uh, that kind of just adds to that long list of events moving in that direction because of COVID-19. The National FFA Convention in fact right now having a a uh, virtual event so such are the times in which we live. Also coming up today we'll wrap up the show with some of my thoughts. My thoughts on uh, what I think is a very concerning trend in this country and that's uh, the way uh, the media in this country has become has gone in the wrong direction, I think, in many ways. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. All right, let's start things off with Mike Steenhook, Executive Director of the Soy Transportation Coalition. If we have Mike on, there must be bad weather somewhere. I, I th- you're, you may be taking over for, for Bryce Anderson as our weather guy, Mike, because we always seem to have you on when there, when there are weather issues. Another big storm, Zeta, in the Gulf. Uh, when we look from an ag transportation infrastructure uh, perspective, been pretty fortunate with all these storms that have been hitting in that part of the world, but we've avoided major damage to the uh, the ag infrastructure, the port and river system. What about this time? Have we been fortunate enough to to miss uh, a big hit again this time? Yeah, the Hurricane Zeta it did provide more of a direct hit on on New Orleans. Um, you know, the the bad news is that it was a storm that materialized very quickly, so there was very little lead time for it. Uh, and it, at the end of the day, it, it clearly nearly approached the Category 3 storm, so it was a very strong Category 2. That was the bad news. So, I mean, it, it really did pack quite a wallop. Um, the the good news is that it was a fast-moving storm, so it exited the area pretty quickly. So they had to suspend maritime transportation uh, on the lower Mississippi River, uh, we're seeing it recover as of late yesterday. I talked, I corresponded with the the uh, the organization that re- is responsible for guiding ships in and out of the Mississippi River Channel, 
and they finally got back up and running. The problem with some of these facilities, though, is there's still widespread power outages, and so that's slowly recovering. Um, bottom line, uh, doesn't look like any kind of catastrophic damage, but it is certainly uh, an inconvenience, a suspension of service, and, you know, we're we're really exporting soybeans and corn, particularly soybeans at a really healthy clip right now, and we want to make sure that every element of our supply chain is working well and able to accommodate all of this demand that we're fortunately seeing. As many big storms as has hit this year have hit this year, we've been very, very fortunate that there hasn't been more damage to that system. Now, a lot of people have certainly been uh, hard hit uh, and with residents and businesses and things like that. But when we look at just the agricultural infrastructure, the port system, the transportation system, all things considered, been pretty fortunate. I think so. And, you know, a lot of these, uh, you know, so having five named storms in the Gulf of Mexico in one year is is quite unique. Uh, But the fact that most of them did skirt either to the the east or the west of the New Orleans area, that was was really important, at least from an agricultural supply chain perspective. Um, It's by far our number one export region with 60% of soybean exports, 57% of corn exports. You know, one of the things I routinely express is, you know, what happens down there, the New Orleans area impacts what happens up here. And what happens, what it, what impacts what happens up here impacts what happens down there. So there's a real strong linkage between the Midwest and Plain States and, and the lower Mississippi River. And so clearly we take notice when we see this kind of storm activity materialize in the Gulf of Mexico. As you mentioned, business has been good. We've been moving a lot of grain, a lot of exports. How has the the transportation system overall held up and done this harvest season? I think it's it's gone quite well, and and it really just um, highlights with all of our challenges and inadequacies and opportunities for improvement with our transportation system. It still is superior to what we see in South America, uh, most notably Brazil. Um, so we we have this capacity and it's been effectively used and you know we've been able to ship out significant volumes, you know particularly soybeans, uh, you know through our two key regions, uh, the Mississippi Gulf region and then the Pacific Northwest. They've really been able to step up and and um, that really shows that some of these investments that have been made have been effectively utilized. And so we're we're clearly wanting to make sure that that remains the case. Um, there hasn't been a lot of good news in agriculture these last couple of years. And finally, we're seeing some good news with this increased demand, most notably to China. And so we've had a healthy price rebound as a result of that. And so we want to make sure that we're able to capitalize on that. Having an infrastructure that can accommodate this volume, that's really key. We've had some key improvements wrapped up uh, on the Illinois River. That system had needed some uh, – had some really – dated facilities and structures, and they've had some significant improvements made. Yeah, we, we've seen these these lock and dam sites. We had five of the eight that have experienced significant rehabilitation uh, this this summer, and we're seeing that, that work come to a conclusion. A couple of the key ones, the most important ones, have already reopened, and so that's really helpful for those farmers that feed into that Illinois River system. And I think it's just a good message to convey to Congress that, you know, these government agencies, they're not perfect. They've got challenges. But when Congress provides 
clarity of mission and predictability of funding, you can actually get decent work done. And this is a good example of it on the Illinois River. But when Congress provides unpredictable funding, a lack of clarity of mission, you, you shouldn't be surprised when you see these government agencies like the Army Corps of Engineers really struggle and flounder. And so I think that's one of the real key messages moving forward for Congress is provide that clarity of mission, that predictability of funding. All right, Mike, thanks for the update. Appreciate it. Thank you, Mike. Good to visit with you. Mike Steenhook, Executive Director of the Soy Transportation Coalition. Sounds like a a busy household uh, where he's at uh, uh, today. A lot of that as we work from home. All right, up next, Alan Burga with the National Milk Producers Federation. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA. Adams on Agriculture, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. Every Tuesday, we're sitting around the table, sponsored by CHS, where we'll be talking with folks from throughout the cooperative system. Join us as we discover what makes cooperatives unique when there are more options to do business with than ever before. We'll learn how farmers and ranchers like you benefit from a system where decisions are made by the members that own it. Tune in every Tuesday for Around the Table or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, Rock Slabaugh, Senior Vice President, National Rural Health Association. How is the rural health care system holding up under this pandemic? We have places around the country where hospitalizations and surges are within uh, normal or but no normal ranges. But then we have other parts of the country that are experiencing some rapid increases in cases with increase in hospitalizations and filling up intensive care units. Those are occurring largely in South Dakota, North Dakota, Wisconsin, kind of growing in the state of Montana. So we've got some large areas of the United States uh, being impacted by this right now. Keep in mind, 61% of rural hospitals do not have an intensive care unit. Many times, if the care needed exceeds the capacity, they have to be transferred to some of the larger regional hospitals. And uh, when those are full, the rural hospital has to take care of those patients for longer. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. Adams on Agriculture. Conversations with policymakers, the movers and shakers in the ag industry, the pros and cons of issues important to you, cutting through the spin to get to the heart of a topic and giving you the information you need to know. Every weekday, Mike Adams brings you guests important to the ag industry. It's quite simply information farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. You may not realize how important three letters can be. For a patient who needs type A, B, or O blood, these letters can mean life. But there simply aren't enough people giving blood. Every two seconds, someone in the U.S. needs it. But only about 3% of the population donates. Without more donors, hospitals may not have the blood needed to save lives. That's why the American Red Cross needs people to help restore the A's, B's, and O's that are depleting each day. When you make your appointment to donate blood at redcrossblood.org forward slash missing types, you can help give strength to kids, parents, and grandparents who face life and death challenges. From 
cancer patients to accident survivors waiting for critical surgeries, your generosity can give someone more life. Don't wait until the letters A, B, and O are missing from hospital shelves. You are the missing type patients need. Visit redcrossblood.org forward slash missing types or call 1-800-RED-CROSS to make your donation appointment today. Adams on Agriculture is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. All right, I want to get an update on the ongoing battle that the dairy industry has been waging with FDA to try to get FDA just to uphold existing labeling laws, especially when it comes to dairy products. This has been a long battle. It's still going on. Alan Burga with the National Milk Producers Federation joins us. Alan, thanks for being with us. Uh, wow, we've talked about this over and over. We thought we had some good news a while back, but still waiting for action uh, and haven't really seen it. Uh, what's your latest move to try to get FDA to move on this? Well, we are waiting for action right now, and it makes you nervous because as you get toward this political lame duck election, post-election period, historically it can be a little bit of a silly season in terms of what agencies are, 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 can, can decide to do. So we want to make sure that the FDA knows that we are paying close attention and making sure that they are tr- enforcing their rules and that we have the rules on our side. So We've sent a letter to the ombudsman of the FDA um, noting FDA's um, lax enforcement of standards defining what a dairy product is and what it isn't. This is important because the ombudsman is a, a separate part of the FDA office, and it's basically the part of the FDA that ensures that the FDA keeps doing its job. Um, you know, it, it's kind of the watchdog within the agency. It's in the office of the commissioner. And what we've done is we've pointed out um, pretty extensive research the ways in which we have rules and regulations on our side and we're demanding action. Uh, this is very important because folks on the plant-based side, you know, they like to say, we've established that this is a common name. Everybody calls it milk, right? Well, the reason for that is because of agency in action. And, and an agency can't be non-active, um, not doing its job for 40 years, and then say, oh, well, we didn't do our job. I guess this is okay. It's not okay, and we're letting the FDA know. Well, until I saw your release on this, I didn't even know there was an ombudsman for FDA. Hey, you learn something every day, don't you? I mean, government, yeah. um, the government has watchdogs um, and folks who ensure standards within their agencies. You know, it, it's dealing with compliance with rules. You hear a lot more about inspectors generals, right? Those are the folks that do investigations of waste, fraud, and abuse at agencies. But agencies can also have ombudsmen. Um, ombudsman is very common um, in, say, media organizations, you know, people who represent, represent readers and folks. It's a Swedish word, and it's basically, you know, to be a watchdog. By the way, ombudsman has nothing to do with gender. You don't have to say ombudsperson. Uh, this, is a, this is a different <laughs> language we're dealing with here, and, 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 and we are being correct with the term. Yeah, I, I've seen news organizations that you've pointed out or sports uh, networks have ombudsmen, but I didn't know FDA did. So, yeah, I did learn that. All yeah, right, so it's basically, mm-hmm, it's basically, you know, the people have a right to have a voice, too, and the ombudsman is the voice, and we are the people. 
All right, so we'll see if this uh, gets any movement from FDA. We're talking with Alan Burga with the National Milk Producers Federation. In the meantime, Alan, it seems like every day we see some new product that calls itself dairy. It is true. I mean, uh, they call themselves dairy because dairy is prized by the public, and they take whatever concoction they've come up with, and they want to associate it with milk. That's one of the biggest issues. You know, the biggest issue is is that these products are not nutritionally anywhere near with what milk provides, and yet you find people using it, substituting it for milk for nutritional reasons. Um, And that's really at the root of what we're trying to get accomplished here is to make sure that, you know, this is this and that is that and consumers aren't confused. Interestingly, just recently, the European Union tightened its restrictions on plant-based labeling and dairy. They're going the other direction. Uh, Most of the world is going the other direction. It's only here where the plant-based marketing has taken root to the extent that black becomes white and night becomes day. The FDA can't can't let that happen because of their own inaction and let it become established fact. When you haven't been enforcing rules and a problem results, the answer is to enforce the rules, not to say it's not a problem. Yeah, and that's that's a key point. Enforce existing laws and rules, not create new ones, just enforce what's already on the books. Or just get rid of what's being enforced and say, oh, well, we lost. Yeah, it, it is it is frustrating. Um and you've done you've done research on this, right? That there is consumer confusion on this issue. There is consumer confusion and nutritional equivalence issues. You know, people think that you know, for example, an almond beverage will have more protein than a dairy-based beverage. It's often one fourth to one eighth of the amount. You know, people associate certain qualities with something called milk, and a plant-based beverage simply has nothing like that in terms of nutritional profile. It's clear chemical engineering to make something appear somewhat milk-like. That's not fully understood in the marketplace, and one of the reasons is because of the, the cues a consumer takes, you know, and it's, it's not just the name. It's where is it put in the grocery store, even if something doesn't need to be refrigerated. You know, marketers will put it in a refrigerated section. So once again, it looks more like a dairy product. You know, this is a very well-established marketing approach that helps things make inroads for reasons that maybe they shouldn't. There were not that long ago, we thought FDA was finally going to move on this, but they didn't. Well, Commissioner Hahn, understandably, has had a pretty busy year, you know, dealing with COVID-19. And, you know, we're all dealing with that in our own lives and that's certainly a huge priority. As the year has gone on, however, FDA has been able to walk and chew gum at the same time, and that's why we think it's been appropriate. You know, we published an open letter to the commissioner a couple weeks ago. This is something you said you would take care of. Please take care of it, and please take care of it in the way that you seem to indicate you are going to take care of it, because it was clear during Commissioner Hahn's confirmation hearing he got the issue. So why it's not being resolved and why it's not being resolved in a way that it restores labeling integrity, we just don't know. And, and, and that's what we're working on in, you know, these waning days of what is either the first Trump administration or the only Trump administration. But, but again, this is a time of year where you have to start watching this stuff because agencies will start doing things kind of under cover of darkness. And we have to be sure that the light of day is, is shown on FDA. So what would your next move be if this one doesn't work? I mean, as you said, you wait to see, are you dealing with the same administration or a new administration? Do you have to start all over if there's a new administration or or what's your approach then? 
Right. You have to keep making your case. You know, this letter that we sent to FDA does this, has a thorough grounding of some of the issues in terms of freedom of speech issues that are brought up by our opposition. You know, you take a look at the nutritional confusion. You take a look at, you know, what are the, the potential congressional remedies taking place? You know, getting back to this position that the FDA is in where they haven't enforced something for 40 years, if they decide to keep not enforcing it after all of this drumbeat, at a certain point you start getting into some pretty plausible cases of dereliction of, of, of enforcement of federal statutes and, and congressional rules. And that becomes a whole new ballgame in terms of areas that you could come at this issue with. We have to have all the tools on the table because this is an important concern for our industry. It's also an important concern just for the rule of law, you know, and, and, and that's, what, that, that's why everything at this point has to be on the table. Alan, this, uh, this year of 2020 is one we'll never forget for a lot of reasons. When I look at the dairy industry, it's really been an up-and-down year, hasn't it? Incredibly. You know, you saw the incredible plunge immediate aftermath of, post, of, of when COVID-19 really led to the lockdowns. Then you saw this real rush onto the markets because you saw the government forcefully step in as a buyer of last resort. Welcome move, but it did put dairy on a roller coaster. When you take a look at, at how things are shaking out this year, you know, a lot of dairies that, that we thought maybe, frankly, could have gone under earlier in the year, thanks to some of this timely assistance and thanks to a lot of the work that, you know, cooperative members themselves did to align supply and demand, it's put them in decent shape. But as long as we have COVID with us, we're going to have a lot of uncertainty, and farmers really have to be looking, especially with the dairy margin coverage program sign up starting now, you know, and moving through December. Effective risk management is going to be important in 2021 because you're going to have to buckle up. And you wait, like everyone else, to see if there's going to be another COVID stimulus package. Yes, you, you do look for that. It, it, it does seem like there will be some sort of package coming forth in some way, and it's going, what it's going to look like is going to depend on the relative power position of folks in Congress and the administration. I think there is a belief and a desire to enact something. But frankly, we're in political season, and everybody's wondering what their interest is going to be after November 3rd, and until that happens, Nobody in the end has a huge incentive to get it done. And you can think whatever you want to about Washington and policymakers because of that. That's always been the reality, and that's the reality we're dealing with right now. Yep. All right, Alan, thanks a lot. Good to talk with you again. Appreciate it. Pleasure speaking with you. Bye. Take care. Alan Bjurga with the National Milk Producers Federation. All right. Well, not only wrapping up the month uh, this weekend, but don't forget we're going to be changing clocks again this weekend. And here we go again. We're going to fall back, so don't forget to do that this weekend as well. Up next, we'll talk it over with the CEO of the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. A lot of issues, a lot of different things to go over with Colin Woodall. We'll do that next. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines. When you think of home, you think of warmth, comfort, and peace of mind. And that's exactly what you get when you choose propane from FS. With propane from FS, you get our well-trained professional staff, along with an array of products and services designed to ensure that your propane system is functioning properly and efficiently. Add to this a variety of convenient terms and ways to save money, and you've got the right solution to all your home energy needs. 
Contact your local FS Propane specialist today. FS Propane feels like home. Visit fspropane.com. Adams on Agriculture prides itself on bringing top leaders in the egg industry right to your radio speakers. AOA wants to continue that conversation right to your fingertips. Follow AOA on Twitter at AOA underscore talk show and Mike Adams himself at the handle Mike Adams Egg. You will receive real-time highlights of the show and keep up with which convention or industry meeting AOA is attending. That's AOA underscore talk show and Mike Adams Egg. We hope to see you online. Time now for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson for the American Ag Network. We've got a positive tone in soybean futures an hour into our Friday trade, a mixed tone in corn and a bit defensive in the wheats. Corn futures slightly higher in pre-market trade with some traders taking the opportunity to jump back into the market. The longer-term fundamental outlook supportive due to strong Chinese demand. USDA saying that 121,500 tons of soybeans were sold to an unknown destination for 2020-21, according to Friday's flash sales wire. In soybean futures, November up a penny and a half, 1053 and a quarter. January up four and a quarter, 1054 and three quarters of a cent. Corn, December, down three-quarters of a cent, 397 and three-quarters. March, a penny higher at 402 and a half. Chicago wheat, December, down three and three-quarters, $6 even. Kansas City wheat, December, down a penny at 541. Minneapolis spring wheat, December, down a quarter of a cent at 552. March, down a quarter of a cent at 564. Livestock and American feeder cattle futures. January contract up 32 at 131.60. March at 131.10, up 12. Live cattle, December contract, near unchanged, down a nickel per hundred weight at 107.92. Cash cattle country said to be slow to start today, asking prices around 110 on a live basis in the south. Lean hog futures, December contract, 92 higher. 66.55. Wall Street, the Dow down 214 points. S&P down 33. December crude oil down 48 cents. You're listening to AOA. I'm Rusty Halverson for the American Ag Network. Do you know how to keep food safe at home? Clean, separate, cook, and chill. The easy lessons of clean, separate, cook, and chill will help you protect your family and be food safe. Let's talk about how to separate. First, use different cutting boards for meat, poultry, seafood, and veggies. Raw meat should never touch food that won't be cooked. Then, always keep raw meat, poultry, seafood, and their juices away from other foods in the shopping cart. And store raw meat, poultry, and seafood in a container or on a plate in the fridge so juices won't drip on other foods. Food safety risks at home are more common than most people think. The USDA is your partner in being food safe. Clean, separate, cook, and chill. For more information, visit BeFoodSafe.gov or call 1-888-MP-HOTLINE. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. 
Good to have with us the CEO of the National Cattlemen's Beef Association, Colin Woodall. Colin, lots of things we want to talk about, including we'll start it off with uh, your big convention. As we look at the winter meeting schedules being altered uh, drastically and dramatically by COVID-19, the news today that uh, Commodity Classic will be going to a virtual event. Many are. Uh, you've taken a different approach. Uh, you Rather than go virtual uh, in the winter, you're going to wait till next summer and hope to be able to have your convention in person, right? That's right, Mike. We want to be able to meet. I think if it was just up to all the cattle producers out there, we would still be meeting in February. But going to Nashville, Nashville still has restrictions of only allowing uh, no more than 500 people in a room. So there's just no way we can hold a convention. But we were fortunate enough to find some alternative dates in August. It's August 10th to the 12th in Nashville again. And we're going to make sure that we can get everybody together because uh, we know that our trade show is extremely popular. Our Cattlemen's College is always popular. And it's just a great opportunity to have a little fun and see your neighbors from across the country. And it's not really down to whether or not you your members want to get together or not it's whether you can because as you said of facilities and restrictions in whatever state you're going to and then to make a move like you're doing as you said you got to work that out dates and uh, that can get tricky so there's a lot of moving parts in uh, in making a move like that there are a lot of moving parts. The biggest one for us are just the local restrictions there in Nashville, and they do not look like they're going to be lifted anytime soon, especially as we see the increasing COVID cases across the country. I doubt we're going to see anybody relaxing restrictions over the winter, but our hope was as we looked at those August dates that it would give it a little bit more time to look at uh, additional treatments, vaccines, etc., in hopes that we can be able to get everybody together in August. And August still, of course, is is up in the air. I think anybody trying to plan an event, a meeting, or any sort of large gathering is uncertain throughout 2021, but we felt it was going to be a whole lot better to try to set a date and uh, shoot for that rather than just going virtual, because we just found that the virtual meetings, while they are a great alternative, they just don't have that same personal interaction or what you get from per personal interaction like you can find in an in-person meeting. Well, let's hope by August we have this behind us, but who knows uh, as it continues to uh, drag on now for sure. We're talking with Colin Woodall, CEO of the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. All right, Colin, there was uh, a meeting in Florida a few days ago of, of cattle groups, beef industry groups coming together, but NCBA was not a part of that meeting. Why? Well, because it wasn't just beef industry group, Mike, and I think that's a bit of a misnomer. You had the Organization for Competitive Markets that was there, and the reports that we have heard, most of the people who were there were coming from the Organization of Competitive Markets. They're not a producer group. They are a group that masquerades as a producer group, and they sure try to convince people that they're there looking out for producers, but the Organization for Competitive Markets, OCM, is funded by the Humane Society of the United States. Humane Society of the United States is paying for all their legal actions. Uh, their, their former executive director was a former uh, HSUS employee. Their current executive director has HSUS ties. Uh, most of their leadership has HSUS ties. And we all know, and all your listeners know, HSUS is not looking out for the best interest of the cattle industry or cattle producers in, in general. So when we found out that they were going to be a part of this, there was no reason for us to go down there because, to be honest with you, we just don't negotiate with terrorists, Mike. And we believe that the Organization for 
competitive markets is a domestic terrorist organization that is out there to hurt cattle producers, not help them. All right, we're talking with Colin Woodall, CEO of the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. Now, let me ask you about uh, the plan that you've uh, submitted or proposed, uh, a voluntary plan addressing the cattle market issue. But I've seen where some of your state organizations have not agreed with that or not endorsed it. Where does that stand, and, and, and what's your reaction to that response from some within your own organization? So this has been a, a long process for NCBA that goes back to actually our convention last year in San Antonio. Uh, it ended up having uh, a big impact on our summer business meeting, which we held in person back in July, to talk about what we could do to incentivize more cash trade because everybody who's involved in this debate agrees on one thing and that is more cash trade does lend itself to more price discovery and that's what we're all about how can we have more robust price discovery in order to allow producers to have as much information as possible to make those marketing decisions that led to a policy that was unanimously passed by all of our state affiliates to work on this triggers report. And the triggers report was made up of different regional uh, groups within uh, within our association to, uh, to see what we can do at the 75%, trying to have 75% of the packers in any one market, uh, meeting 75% of the numbers that we need for uh, uh, robust price discovery, etc. And ultimately, when we rolled that out, it was agreed to by the, uh, the working group and by our officer team. You're right, we've had some of our state affiliates that have asked for a mandatory component to go a little bit faster than what NCBA is proposing. But, you know, we have to keep in mind that all of these organizations, these state cattlemen associations, they are their own independent groups, and they have every right to move forward there. It's not changing the focus that NCBA has on our plan. We're still moving forward. We're going to see if this works. And if it doesn't, when you go back and you look at NCBA's policy, it says if it's not successful, then we, too, will also look at a mandatory congressional action, but only after we try the voluntary approach first. And that's what we're focused on. Do you feel like this has divided your organization? Uh, no, because uh, we, we continue to have meetings of our uh, working group that consists of representatives from a lot of those state affiliates that signed that letter, and everybody's still working together. Uh, they, like I said, some of them want to uh, go to the mandatory side a little bit faster than NCBA's policy um, suggests, but again, they also voted on NCBA's policy. So I, I do not see this as anything that is tearing the industry apart or tearing the association apart. And again, the way we're set up, uh, these state affiliates, they don't work for NCBA. They are their own independent organizations, and they have every right to talk about how they feel. But at the end of the day, NCBA has a policy process that's voted on by members, and that's what we're currently implementing. Have you heard from USDA? Uh, what do they think of your approach? So we have been able to brief USDA. We've briefed the Packers. Uh, we've been out there talking about it as much as we can. Uh, USDA is uh, very interested in helping us. Uh, they have a critical role here because a lot of the information that we need to be able to measure against uh, the parameters and the triggers we've put out there is going to be incumbent upon information we can get from them. So right now we're working very closely with uh, the Ag Marketing Service to see if we can uh, get those reports needed uh, in order to, uh, to, to truly gauge what whether or not we are meeting those robust numbers for uh, for price discovery. Is the DOJ 
investigation into the cattle market. Is that still ongoing? Have you heard anything on that? Yeah, great question, Mike. Appreciate you bringing that up. I know that's been a hot topic within the industry for quite some time. Uh, We are aware that the Department of Justice is still investigating. So we've had uh, NCBA members and feedlots. Uh, We know that packers have had visits not only from the Department of Justice, but also from several of the uh, state attorneys general that were also uh, concerned about this and sent letters on their own for this investigation. So the investigation is ongoing. We do not have a, a timeline on when they will complete that, but we can continue to send very clear messages to the White House and also to USDA that they need to get this done as quickly as possible. So anything that they can do to put pressure on DOJ to get it done as quickly as possible is important because everybody's waiting. And I think uh, the results of that are going to have a a huge impact on what uh, the the new Congress would, would do moving forward here in January and also what additional changes might take place within CBA's policy. Colin, is the biggest concern from the state groups on your voluntary plan you said they they are pushing more for mandatory mandatory approach is the feeling that they've expressed to you that the voluntary just won't get significant changes that they won't see the improvements that uh, they want to see you know that's uh that's been an interesting conversation mike because again a lot of those states that signed that letter have been a part of our working group that came up with this plan and they all agreed to the plan and they ultimately voted on the policy unanimously in Denver during our summer business meeting that supported the plan. Uh, we all knew going into it after that policy was passed that we were going to push forward for a uh, voluntary approach. And then if the voluntary approach didn't work, that NCBA would go to Congress and, and work on a mandate. Um, again, I, I guess when a lot of them got home, uh, maybe that just didn't resonate as much as it did with their representatives that uh, showed up to NCBA's meeting. Uh, but to be honest with you, that's, that, that's not an NCBA letter. Our focus is on the policy that was passed that uh, has us focused on this 75% plan that we are rolling out, and we're going to do everything we can to make it work because ultimately we all still have that exact same goal, and that goal is to increase price discovery via having more cash trade. All right, Colin, good to talk with you again. Thanks for being with us. Appreciate it. Thank you, Mike. All right, take care. Colin Woodall, CEO of the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. Some interesting uh, issues there and uh, a difference in opinion certainly on the way to go on this uh, cattle market issue. Some of the state groups uh, wanting a more, uh, wanting to go a mandatory route rather than the voluntary uh, plan proposed by NCBA. All right, coming up next, uh, some thoughts from me, my thoughts on what I'm seeing in the media. Being part of the media, uh, some things are happening that really disturb me, concern me for the future of our country. I want to talk about that, share my thoughts on that next. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. The Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council present the story of Cynthia and Ed. My mother was always very active and independent, and she was familiar with her neighborhood. But one day, out of the blue, she stopped at the stop sign for much longer than usual. 
and uh, she didn't know whether she should go forward or, or turn or just stay at the stop sign. She wasn't even really sure where she was at. She was very concerned. It was very unsettling for her. It's important for you to talk to someone about it, to bring the family in on it. I felt so much better after my son told me, Mom, I don't want you to worry or be afraid. I'll be there for you and we'll figure it out. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash ourstories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? <laughs> it's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Neil Armstrong waited six hours and 39 minutes to step onto the surface of the moon. Jackie Robinson waited 20 months to play his first game with the Brooklyn Dodgers. And even DiCaprio had to wait 22 years to win an Oscar. You can wait until your destination. Don't text and drive. Visit StopTextStopRex.org. A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. Young farmers don't listen to the radio, right? Wrong. In a recent survey, 74% of young producers said they get their most important agricultural information from their trusted farm radio station. Surprised? Don't be. If you think about it, it makes perfect sense. Radio is the perfect companion because it goes with you everywhere. Whether you're in the shop, on the combine, or in the truck, farm radio is right there with you. This message brought to you by the National Association of Farm Broadcasting. Meet Keith, loving dad, board game champ, bus driving pro. I drive 65,000 miles in my bus each year. If people knew what I know, lives could be saved. Like how there are some things I simply can't see. On my route the other day, a car tried to sneak past me and ends up right in my blind spot. I turned slowly, so I accidentally avoided it. But no car should be in the blind spot for a 40,000-pound bus. It's our roads. It's our safety. Visit www.sharetheroadsafely.gov. Recently on Adams on Agriculture. Always interesting to look at developing consumer trends when it comes to food. And we talk with Charlie Arnott, CEO for the Center for Food Integrity. For the last 40 plus years, American agriculture truly has been the wonder of the world, focusing primarily on increasing productivity, efficiency, and throughput. Today, consumers, engaged consumers, uh, retailers, and capital markets are beginning to ask whether or not other issues like sustainability, food safety, health and nutrition should also receive greater focus. 
And so there's, there's an important shift taking place where people are saying, we want to continue to enjoy safe, very affordable food, but we also now are looking at other attributes as being equally important as consumers have greater interest in health and nutrition, extending their meals, fresh, high quality food. All of those things are continuing to play a greater role in the decision process for engaged consumers, retailers, and for those who provide financing to agriculture. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. We are strong, we are resilient, and we will get through this together. But these are stressful times, and it's important to also practice good self-care. It's normal to feel overwhelmed, anxious, or afraid, but there is hope. Reach out to someone, connect with your friends, stay in touch with your community, and know that you are not alone. Learn more at wearebroadcasters.com slash hope. Furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. Adams on Agriculture is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. So I want to share some thoughts on something that I, I'm very concerned about, having been in the media for many, many years and and kind of looking at what's going on in our country and how things are covered and how information is shared. Certainly that has changed over the years. I, I grew up watching Walter Cronkite deliver the news each evening. Pardon the dated reference. <laughs> that kind of gives my age away right there. But as someone who grew up in that era, I'm both shocked and saddened by what our news media has now become today. I never thought I would see the day where news outlets would refuse to cover major news events because of political interests. always thought competition alone would make sure that uh, they would cover a major event. But it looks like in, in some cases, competition is given away to collusion. There's a, uh, what's, because of, uh, the media outlet doesn't want to try to give any advantage or try to say anything favorable one way or another about a political candidate or party. They just choose not to cover e- an event. I never thought I would see that. You know, it's bad enough that today we get so much inaccurate information, but now in many cases, we get no information. When I started my radio career over 40 years ago, I was taught that accuracy was more important than being the first to report a story, and that you should give both sides of an issue and and then let your listeners make up their own minds. Now today, media outlets have become political activists pushing their own agenda rather than reporting the facts. The lines between opinion and news have not only been blurred, but in many cases they've been completely erased. More media outlets to choose from, which we have now, have not made us better informed. Instead, people now pick the media outlet whose views they tend to agree with and wind up then only getting one side of a story. Public opinion is now shaped more by social media and late-night TV comedians than by reputable news outlets. What would Walter Cronkite think about today's media? The the role of the press, I think, should be to accurately inform people 
and expose wrongdoing regardless of political preferences. Today, partisan politics are being fueled by a partisan press. Sadly, I've seen this mindset even seeping into some of the uh, ag journalism that's out there, too. Hopefully, that will not become a trend. Um, I think for the most part, ag journalism has stayed away from that for the most part, but I've seen it starting to seep in. Now, admittedly, many of us who cover agriculture, we're also promoters of the industry. Still, we have differences within the ag industry that we report on, issues like GMOs, crop inputs, checkoffs, animal welfare. Those are controversial issues with different opinions. Journalists are humans, and as such, we have opinions too. And there's a place for opinions. This is my opinion I'm giving now. There is a place for opinions, as long as they are clearly identified as such. Hopefully, those opinions don't keep us from reporting opposing views. If they do, then we fail to meet our responsibilities to our audiences. Sadly, today, almost everything seems to be viewed through a political lens. You know, over the years, I've had people tell me they think they can tell which political party I prefer. And they've said, I think you're, you're with this party, or I think you're with that party. Most of the time they've been wrong, which I'm happy about because I think that's how it should be. I don't take a political preference, a political stance on air. Because if I did, then how could the other side have any realistic expectations that I would be completely fair? Uh, that would automatically skew the way people look at uh, how I was reporting on something. Now, I try not to go one way or the other. I don't look at an R or a D behind someone's name. I don't choose guests for my show based on political party. I don't even put political signs in my yard because I feel that as a member of the media, as a journalist, I'm going to be reporting on both sides and I want opinions from both sides. I've never thought, I've never believed that one side can be right all the time and one side can be wrong all the time. That's just never made any sense to me. I've complimented and I've criticized people in both parties and will continue to do so. I want to look at the results and, and look at what's getting done rather than is it in favor of one party over the other. You know, again, I don't think one political party is always right and one's always wrong. And to think otherwise, I think, keeps us from getting the best from both sides and therefore making our country better When if we could just bring the best of the two together. I realize we're a sharply divided country. We have a lot of strong views and opinions. But looking at it from a media standpoint, to report only one side of an issue and refusing to cover opposing views, and we see this going on in our media today, by refusing to even acknowledge an event, a major news event, and not even present any information, to me that's censorship. You're, you're keeping the public, you're keeping your audience from getting all the information they could. Our founding fathers made sure to protect freedom of the press. But sadly today, it seems we often need freedom from the press when the press is not doing its job. I have a real concern about this moving forward. It seems to be getting worse and not better. Let's put the information out there and let our audiences decide, make informed 
decisions. My thoughts, my thoughts, my opinions uh, on what's happening with the the media in uh, our country today. All right, don't forget to set those clocks back in hours. We fall back this weekend. If you haven't already voted, and we know a lot of people have, be sure to be ready to get those votes in next week. It's a big, historic time for our country. However it turns out, we'll be talking about it right here on AOA. Of course, looking at it primarily from an agricultural perspective, we'll get as much information out to you as we possibly can. Thanks for being with us. Have a safe weekend, everyone. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines.